All right, this is a very special podcast. I am extremely excited to be joined by Congressman for all of Alaska, Don Young. Great to be here, Jeff. It's a good time to be talking about uh, the new election coming up. We only have about five days, four days, five days to the voting time, and I'm looking forward to that, and it's been an interesting campaign. Yeah, so uh, this is your, what, 24th fourth fourth. election. And you are the, out of 435 members. You are the longest uh, serving longest member. serving member in the Congress. Now, after this election, I'll be the, long, the oldest member of the Congress and Senate and the House. And I take great pride in that because I'm still going strong and very happy with what I'm doing. And, and I know I can do the job. I'll continue to do what I've been doing. Well, I, I met, you know, I moved here in 2004. And I think like everybody, I right away heard about you. And um, I've always, I've always followed you. And there's always great stories. And um, what I was hoping to talk about here, uh, I've heard you at some of your fundraisers and events I've attended. You've told some stories about your past, but you've served in the Congress under nine, uh, nine presidents. Nine presidents, nine different presidents in 45 years. My first president was Richard Nixon. So that's what I wanted to ask about. So you were there when you, it was 73? Was it 70? I got elected in the spring of 73, March 7th. So that was kind of, Water, Watergate was already going, right? Watergate was already going, and uh, it was an interesting time. Uh, I don't remember when I first got elected after that. I came back uh, to uh, Alaska, and um, I decided to fly first class because it's an 11-hour flight. And uh, some people say, well, why don't you fly back in the back of the bus? Try that 11 hours. It's a long flight. And um, I uh, will say it was not a good experience because I decided I could drink the plane dry, <laughs> and you can't do that. Uh, I got off the airplane. There must have been 20 Alaskan press people at the bottom of the walkway. We didn't have jets at that time, jetways. They were walkways right. down and went outside. And, of course, the first question is, what are you going to do about Watergate? Your opponent says he's going to use it against me. And I said, go right ahead. I'll shoot him out of the saddle. Well, the next day, the media, ADN, uh, had a, a comment that I was going to shoot my opponent. So that's, <laughs> that started out the program. I learned two lessons. <laughs> Don't try to drink the plane dry. And two, be careful what you say. So what was it like? I mean, obviously, there's the stuff now with this uh, Mueller stuff. It's, I mean, is it similar? Like, what was it? I'm, I wasn't even born until 84. So what was it like? Well, it, it wasn't like uh, Mueller and Trump. It was uh, because the media wasn't that. Uh, you know, you didn't have social media, you didn't have uh, the national media played it, but people weren't paying that much attention to it. Um, and, and, you know, I was a Richard Nixon fan, as the state of Alaska was too. In fact, that's one reason um, I'm a congressman today, because uh, my number started going up against the incumbent, uh, and he was a friend of mine, and said that um, I have to beat you more than 55-45. I didn't have any money or anything, I, you know, but it was not me that was doing well. It was, in fact, the President Nixon uh, running for that office. So, uh, but I, I knew him in California. And um, I was a big supporter of his, and uh, he, I believe, was one of the better presidents. I had uh, some weaknesses, as they all do. Uh, his biggest weakness was a very lonely man and uh, somewhat paranoid, uh, but overall, intelligent-wise, he's one of the more intelligent ones. But he got caught up in the Watergate tapes, 
And I actually talked to him personally and told him to burn the tapes, Mr. President. He, <laughs> he didn't want to do it. He wanted to keep them for history. And they're finally coming out. And they're not as damning as they may think they well, are. I read, I read a book recently I finished called Nixon Land. It's pretty much about Richard Nixon. And, you know, there's, it's like everybody talks about Watergate. But, I mean, there was the China stuff. There was Love International stuff. I mean, I think a lot of folks don't realize that, that um, the pipeline, really, Spiru Agnew, Broke the tie, right? Spiro Agnew broke the uh, Senate uh, Senate tie, and um, I I was uh, uh, you know a part of that, but I was on the House side. So um, after that, I mean, th- there was obviously there was Ford, and then Reagan. I guess what was what were the? I'd like to talk a little bit about the the Reagan years. I mean, that was well, you know, Reagan got elected because of um, uh, I believe it was Jimmy Carter uh, and Malays. Uh, Jimmy Carter was not an inspirational leader at all, and uh, Reagan was. He was a very good speaker. By the way, wrote all his speeches. I take great pride in that, in the sense I rode in the airplane numerous times, Air Force One. And um, he would write a speech in longhand on a yellow legal pad and then uh, rehearse it in front of me and Nancy. And, uh, you know, and then I'd watch him get up before an audience and never have a teleprompter and, and, and give the speech. And Ray, Reagan, I mean, he was going back to Nixon. I mean, he he tried to, in 68. He was at the convention and there was big talk of him becoming the nominee when Nixon got it. So yeah. he, he wasn't he was actually fairly involved in. in Always had been involved the governor and. Um, uh, he was the, the candidate, though, that could inspire people. Uh, if you remember, uh, we had hostages. We had a case where the I hostages were right. over, uh, over there. And, uh, I ran. and, and the day he got elected, they released him. Re- to give you an idea how much influence he had because he wasn't playing around. Well, I think I've heard story- I read another book called uh, Guests of the Ayatollah that was all about that. By That's exactly Mark right. Mark Bowden, yeah. who wrote yeah. Black Hawk Down. But they, there was a kind of um, a sentiment that, like, this guy's not playing. He's going to. He's, he's going to do the job. He's very good about that. I mean, he said he was going to take down the wall, which he did, uh, and he wasn't going to have any hostages, and there wasn't any because it was just about immediately they released the hostages where we'd been, I call, pussyfooting around with Jimmy Carter, and in reality, there, nobody was respected us, and Reagan made us a, a country to be respected. Go back to Nixon, though. He was one of the first ones that recognized the potential of threat and the potential of the power of China. At that time, China was relatively in a great upheaval, you know, communism and really was much progress, but he knew what was going to happen, and he really tried to get us involved in the sense so they were not totally enemy to us, that they would be eventually partly partners in trade, which they are, and we still are, though we have our trade wars. So he was way ahead of his time, deeply disliked by a lot of my colleagues, uh, but uh, I happen to think that Nixon, I said, was a better president. And um, I, I could never forget one time I had um, the president of the Senate from the House and the Speaker of the House down to see me, and they wanted to see uh, the, the vice president. I said, well, let's see, see the president. Picked up the phone, said, Mr. President, this is Don Young. And he said, what can I do for you? He says, I got two leaders in the state would like to come down and see you. And he says, bring them down just that quick. Now, that was before two, uh, 9-11, but mm-hmm. it was not, that's how quick he could respond. So I was very fond of him. So what's it like? I mean, you've been the congressman for the state for, you know, since 73. You've been the, I mean, I think a few other states have one congressman, right? There's six other states. So being such a huge state and being down there, what's, I've seen your office. I've seen some of the cool, you know, the tro- hunting trophies, but what's it, I mean, do, do people, when they see you, is it like, uh, 
what's it like when you know especially when you first started going forward now when you're the longest uh, I was very I was I was fortunate because you got to remember I got elected that March and we had an embargo a gasoline embargo and Senator Gravel and Senator Stevens had introduced a bill on the Senate side um, I'm a freshman in the Senate side and uh, they they uh, had it just whiting the right away that's all they did and I was asked by my um, Sam Stagger, what bill was I going to introduce? Because I had to introduce a bill. Who's that? Was he a con- congressman? He was a congressman, and uh, no longer with us, but he was the ranking member. And I said, well, I guess I'll introduce a Senate bill. And he says, let's not do that. Let's introduce a bill that builds a pipeline. And I looked at him, and he said, what do you mean? He said, you can't build that pipeline just by whiting it right away. You have to build it so there can be no lawsuits. And I said, fine. You know, and I happened to get uh, uh, John Melcher, who was a congressman from Montana and a uh, Democrat, was a chairman of the subcommittee to handle the pipeline legislation. And I went to him, and I was just a freshman. And um, he uh, asked me what I was interested. I told him, we have to build this pipeline. This is where the oil is. We have to deliver it to a point. And it should be immediate because the embargo is causing great havoc in the nation. People were in line shooting one another waiting for gasoline. Didn't they have, that's when they had the basically license plate? Or you, odd even or Well, that, that or whatever it was, it was not a happy time. And it was only 39, 39 cents a gallon, but there was no gas. And so consequently, uh, I introduced that bill, and John became really high on the bill, wanting to try to get this done. And we were fighting at that time, Mo Udall, and um, he was one of them, and John Saylors was the elder one. Udall, was that New Mexico? Yeah, no, New, uh, Arizona. Okay. And uh, so they opposed it. Even my side of that opposed it, but we took the vote in the committee, and we had a two-vote margin on the pipeline to build it with no lawsuits. No lawsuits could be filed to keep, you know, can you imagine trying to build that pipeline today? You'd have a lawsuit every six well, days. I, I, I've, I've always said, you know, you look at like the gas line, for example, people talk about, I mean, it, it barely happened in the seventies. I mean, it was a tie in the Senate. 50, that was 50. for the pipeline. For, and it's like, imagine, to, I agree. Imagine today if, you know, you, it wouldn't happen. And, and so, but we introduced it, it got out of the Senate and we were, I was on the conference uh, Ted was not on the conference. I invited him into the conference, and we wrote with Scoop Jackson. That's where the uh, 1002 areas came from, uh, because we knew that the oil was in Anwar, and we left that open at the discretion of the Congress. Uh, the rest of it was created into a, a refuge, and consequently the 1002 area, the 10,000 acres, was open for oil development. And that battle had been going on, for, like I say, last ever since we passed the trans. So the, the law, you're talking about the lawsuits. Was this basically was where Anxa started, or no? Anxa had it? not been developed yet. Jeff. This is the pipeline. The Alaska National Lands Act was already passed in '71. This was a, a, a bill that opened the pipeline, and that wasn't the challenge. The challenge of lawsuits just developing it. You know, nowadays. But if 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 we did weren't able to have that provision there, you would not have built the pipeline. But we built it in three years, delivered oil in 1976 from 1973 and that's one of the you know the bigger strokes of uh, uh, legislation with the state of alaska that's ever happened other than statehood so speaking of you speak of anwar what i mean there's this tax bill they put the anwar part in it i mean what's the likelihood this is gonna mm. be, be, be produced in the you know near well, we're, future? we're our big goal now we congress voice the senate and the house the president signed it uh, we are now in the process of developing the oil lease uh, propositions. Uh, they will be bid on, I hope, in the next summer, this coming summer. 
if that happens, the sale will take place, and then we've established the fact that with the uh, Congress's okay that the, the bids had gone forth and the sales have been finalized. Then, of course, there will be another lawsuit to stop it, EIS and all the rest of the stuff. But once we get the sale in place and a person or a group owns the, the sale leases, then we'll have an opportunity to develop. I would say we'll probably begin real development in probably six to eight years if we can maintain control and if the need for it is there. Now, I'm going to say if because there are those who are still opposed. I read a whole, uh, heard from my side, not my side, the other side of the aisle, Grijalva, the environmental community to say we're not going to allow this. We use every tactic in the world. In fact, and they will try to repeal what the Congress did. I don't think there's a possibility mm-hmm. of that, but they'll try. It's always it seems like it's always the folks from out of state who want to stop it. I mean, there's well, yeah, some no, people in we're, state. We're but, a playground. That's all it boils right. down to. They don't look upon Alaska as a state. We're playground, and when we became the state, if you check the people oppose statehood, the same states basically oppose any of the development within the state. And our biggest mistake when we passed statehood, because we had no imagination that this would occur, we expected 103 million acres of land for our social economic well-being. And the governors uh, basically picked land spots. They did, there's no contiguous state of Alaska. It's the state owns this down here, and then over here they own this, and over there it's scattered around. And it's very difficult to develop it. We thought there would be no problem because we had access to the federal lands in. Then along came the Alaska National Lands Act. The Alaska National Lands Act, they put away 87 million acres of land mm-hmm. on restrictive use. So they put it and dispersed it. It's very, very calculated being done. Done by the environmental community, where they it's hard to get across. Even with the HR four, I mean four seven seven, the trail of historical trail, it's hard to get across. Someone will say, "Well, it's not that way," or they and they'll slow the process down, and then take and taking away the opportunity for our land use as a state. Now, I argue that we have that right, and we ought to be more forceful when we do this and say, okay, this is our land, and we need to go from here to there. And if you're in between us, we still have that right and do it. Uh, you know, that's that's the challenge we have. Well, that'll be uh, something to watch. So something else I heard, uh, you used to, in the past, you were next door to offices with Charlie Congressman Charlie Wilson, right? Yeah, we were next door. I, I mentioned to you before the show that um, they didn't do justice to him in his book nor his uh, movie. He was much more picturesque and much more well, exciting. I loved both. I loved the book. Uh, and he, the, the he, movie. he was everything they said, but a little more. Um, I, I was a neighbor to him. We were good friends. And was he really drinking, like the oh, drinking yes. and the partying? I, and the- I used to go over to visit his office uh, every day about 10 o'clock. And um, I go over there primarily to look at all the, all the uh, attractions. And uh, he, <laughs> Charlie's Angels. Char- right? Charlie's That's Angels. What they there was two two group two people: Charlie uh, Wilson and um, uh, Murphy uh, from uh, New Jersey, New York. Excuse me. Competed to see who had the the most attractive looking people working for him. <laughs> and but I'd go over there and he'd be behind his desk, feet up on the desk, and he'd have a, 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 a glass of bourbon. And, Ten in the morning, and every morning, and he would drink that. You know, he did a lot. Uh, <laughs> never really falling down drunk. He was just a heavy drinker. Uh, and the only time he ever really got in trouble is he wrecked his Corvette one time, and he actually left the scene, but he left his bumper and his, his license plate behind. It was not what you call a good getaway. Yeah, that was a bad and he came over <laughs> easy to, to figure it out. He came over and said, "What do I do?" And I said, "Well, first thing, you're guilty." 
uh, <laughs> you, you left the scene of it. He said, well, it was my car. I said, yes, but you should have stayed there. Now, what you do is you go and ask forgiveness. And that's basically what he did because he didn't hurt anybody. He would have probably could have, but he didn't. So he asked forgiveness, and I think they gave him a warning, and he got out of the, the, the oh. challenge. And his district, it didn't hurt him at all. So were you, were you how involved? Were you much involved with the covert stuff with Afghanistan? Well, I wasn't involved with that. I knew what was going on. Um, one of the stories I like to tell about it is uh, I am a, a very enthusiastic um, Second Amendment and, and a, and a, um, a uh, NRA board member, and I'm in, you know, I know weapons. And I went to the, the, the show uh, down in um, Las Vegas, and uh, Kenny Barrett was checking in. I knew Kenny Barrett. And uh, he makes a Barrett rifle, and he had a gun case there. And I said, "What do you got?" He oh, said, the Barrett, like the Barrett fifty. The best. Well, he this was before it was public. But he, I said, "What do you got?" He said, "I have the best sniper rifle in the world, and I'm going to go out and display it next uh, tomorrow out on the desert. Would you mind coming with me?" And so I went out, and he, some congressmen and some military people, and we put three watermelons one mile away on a bench. And he shot every watermelon one mile away. With, with the Barrett 50? Barrett 50. Wow. And that got me excited because at that time we were involved in the Afghanistan deal. And he was deeply against the Russians and he was helping out the, the Taliban, really. And so I got the military interested in it. And uh, military bought Barrett's rifles. The, seal, the SEALs still use that. Well, they, it took, yeah, they still use it. But they took it over there and used it against the Russians. And but that rifle, that's my deal. Now the sideline story was that he got so excited because it looked like he had a contract, and he this was before again 9/11. He put this uh, one of the, the 50, and he took it back to show it to the uh, Charlie and uh, Tip O'Neill, that was Charlie's friends, and they said we're going to buy those, and which they did. But he put it in the back of the truck, and the damn thing went off downtown Washington D.C. Oh my God! In the back of the truck. Oh my God! Uh, it was even then not a good thing to happen. But, yeah, I mean, that's a huge. But he didn't lose the contract. That was Kenny didn't lose the contract, and uh, but uh, Charlie had access to aircraft. Uh, he had uh, the ability to travel pretty much under uh, Tip O'Neill's wing, and he did help out the Taliban against the Russians. It was very effective. Uh, they, when the Stinger missile was the big one, and he actually the, trans- the, the, the attack helicopters. Yeah, they, well, the, the, the missiles would shoot down the helicopters, and that's what the Taliban oh. didn't have it, and they were using it against the Taliban. The Russians were, so they they would. Uh, they got the stingers, they shoot down the helicopters, and that's helped them. That's really why Russia pulled out of Afghanistan. So you've, you've um, 24th, right, election, you said? 24th. So 48. there's a, a story I heard one time at one of your events, and there was a guy that one time, I guess it was in, what was his name, Joe something, or the guy that they said, I'll give some son of a bitch $100 to run. Well, that was, I go through my candidates. I've never had a real easy election. Um, there's numerous reasons for that, primarily because I am who I am, and everybody <laughs> knows who I am. Some people don't agree with that. And I argue that my job is to represent the people of Alaska, and I will fight to the death to make sure it gets done. And I've always been able to do that. And anyway, it looked I think it was my fourth election. Uh, it was announced because the final deadline was um, June 1st at 6 o'clock. And 5.45 down at the Whale's Tail, Bobby Ernest, he was the bartender. Uh, Joe Wilson was uh, sitting at the bar. He happened to be just a laborer, which is fine. This is in Juneau? No, this was here Anchorage, okay. at Anchorage, down here at Captain Cook. 
And um, he says, they announced I didn't have an opponent. And he said, in a very nice drinking voice, if I had a hundred dollars, that's all it takes to run, I'd file against the son of so-and-so. <laughs> and Bobby says, well, I got a hundred dollars. He walked him across from the whale's tails of the federal building oh, yeah. and filed against me and never spent another nickel, never spent another nickel and got 38.5% of the vote. And it's cost me a fortune after that because how many people say, if he could do that for $100, think what I could do with a million dollars, which is being spent against me this year. Uh, so it, it was not a good thing. That's why I take every race seriously and run very hard. Uh, not for Don Young, but for the state of Alaska. I always said, it's not Don Young, it's who can get the job done. And that's my, my that's my MO and it always will be. So what, what do you attribute, I mean, there's been, the Parnell one was closed. There was the Berkowitz. I mean, there was all these. You go. It always people always think, uh oh, this is it. But it, you always pull. What do you think? I mean, what do you attribute? Well, I I, I think people recognize my uh, dedication, my enthusiasm to the state. Uh, this is not about you know hand claps and yay 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 and I'm going to do this and I'm going to solve all the problems of the world. Uh, it's about well, if I got a problem, Don Young's going to try to solve it, and he usually does. If it's possible, and I will tell him up front, if we look at it, is it possible, can we do it? And we work at it and do it. Uh, I think that's what pulls me through in all these elections, and I hope it continues that way. Again, I go back. I'm stressing this. People may not get it. It's about who can get the job done. And every community in this state has been affected by Don Young. And I can go through all the big bills, the 200-mile limit. Uh, which is huge. That's what created our fishing industry. Fishing, that, yeah. did, that didn't exist before. And that's my bill. It created in the House. The pipeline bill was created in the House. I can go on down the line. Those bills affect everybody. But more than that, individual communities, land transfers, uh, right-of-ways, uh, all these different things that affect communities, that's what I do. And I was able to do it because the federal yeah. government wasn't working with the communities. The Magnus and Stevens, that was originally, was that your, your bill? That was my bill. It was actually... Uh, Gary Studs and myself, um, we wrote that bill. It started before I was elected in the sense I was over in Kodiak and um, one night uh, when I was a state senator and I looked out and there was a, a city offshore, 12 miles offshore. That We had control of the waters 12 miles out. And it was a city of Polish boats, Chinese boats, Yugoslavian boats, uh, you name them, catching our fish. I said, this is wrong. And so when I got back there, Gary Studs from Massachusetts, dear friend of mine. So at the time they were allowed to do, they were just allowed to well, do yeah, that? Yeah, that's, that was federal, I mean, international waters. Oh, wow. So they came over and caught these fish. So we got together, because he has a fishing area in Massachusetts, and we created the the economic zone, 200 miles. So the United States controls the water 200 miles out. A huge battle, by the way. Administration opposed me. Um, remember Richard Nixon at that time had already resigned, and, and uh, Jerry Ford was the president. But what passed the House, got over the Senate side. The Senate basically took the same bill, but senators being who they are, they had to name it they the Magnuson-Stevens <laughs> Act, not the Gary St- uh, Young-Studs Act. And uh, so uh, one of the sidelines of that was we signed, we passed it, the president had not signed it. This is in, uh, in November, uh, approximately just about this time that they hadn't signed it. And I got a call from the White House and said, would I fly with President Ford uh, via uh, Ielson Air Force Base on his way to Japan as the congressman? I said, all due respect, sir, this is a, a um, uh, family holiday time. It's Thanksgiving. 
and I'm not going to go. Well, you don't do that very often. And I get a call two days later after that and said, uh, well, if you take your wife with you, and I said, it's a family holiday. It is not a, a, a man and wife holiday. Two days after that, I get a call and <laughs> oh says, well, you take, if we take your two daughters and go. And I said, yeah, because we'd be together. So we got on Air Force One and flew two air banks. And in that flight, that six-hour flight, um, Kissinger, Henry Kissinger, was on the board. He oh, was wow. he was the State Department. He was the head of the State Department. Now, the Secretary, Secretary of State. State. Right, right. And uh, he did not like the 200-mile limit. He was an internationalist and said, oh, the, the Japanese and everybody retaliate against us. And I kept telling the president, I said, no, they will not retaliate. They will get the fish anyway, some way. And I was correct because they invested in the fishing industry in the state of Alaska. But we had control over the fish. We managed the fish. Now we have one of the best sustainable areas uh-huh. of fishing in, in, the, in the United States. Uh, so uh, I was quite proud of that because after he left, he hadn't signed it yet, but he left on Japan. On the way to Japan, he signed the bill. Was Kissinger stopping him from signing it? Well, he didn't want him to sign it. He argued against it. He said, Mr. President, they'll, they'll, they'll retaliate against us. And I said, Mr. President, no, they're not going to retaliate. And so he signed it on the way uh, to Japan, and I was one of my proudest moments. I got the 200-mile limit, although they called it the Magnuson-Stevens Act. Have, did you ever tell Senator Stevens? Like, hey, oh, hey. he knows it. You know, he he, he was uh, Senator Stevens was very good about giving me credit for what originated in the House. I heard one time somebody I've I've, run, I've never won, but I've run for office a few times at state state level. But people have said you can get a lot done if you don't care who gets credit for it. That's exactly right. I mean, say that. and the people you do it for it know it. You don't get the publicity that some people want when they're elected. They like to see their name in the paper. My argument is, I have an old saying: a dog that barks at a car is going to eventually get run over. So just keep quiet. Get the job done as long as it gets done. So uh, of all the races you've had, I mean, what, 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 does one stick out to you that maybe you thought, oh, my gosh, this one, this one might be the well, one? I, or? I've never thought I wasn't going to win. I knew it was going to be close. Uh, the primary, that was the toughest race. I don't include that in the, in the 24, by the way. That primary against Sean Purnell. Right, yeah. Those are, it's a, that right, was it's a, a tough separate. race. And uh, uh, I was supposed to lose that race by 10% against uh, the mayor, Ethan Berkowitz. Uh, uh, three weeks before the election, I was 10 points behind. Uh, I I knew I was going to win it, though, the night before the election. We were down here on uh, Northern Lights, or what do you call it, uh, uh, waving signs, and the honking of the, of the cars was very favorable. And I came back in, and I, I told my past wife I was going to win that race. And she says, of course you're going to win it. And I only won it by the way, by 304 votes. And I'll give Sean credit because when it, it came out of 304, he didn't ask for a recount. And uh, I remember that was very close. Very right. close. Was... And that was a close one. But I turned right around, though, I would say I ran against Berkowitz, who was supposed to beat me, mm-hmm. and I beat him by 10%. I didn't lose 10%. I, I think the funniest, I mean, there's all these, all these funny things happen during elections, but the funniest, I'm sure you've seen it. Remember the ad Ethan did with the, the loader? And there was like the outtake where the loader like it hit him and almost knocked. You remember that? Have you seen? Yeah, I don't. I forget it's, that. It's one. really funny. He was trying to do it where he's covering up, you know, bottles. Part, it was with forgot when he ran for governor, but he's yeah. covering up Parnell on the TV with the loader and the loader like the guy operator like messes up and hits him. I mean, he's not wearing a hard hat and almost knocks him over. You know, it was like an outtake that they got. They leaked. I don't remember that part of it, but it was a it was an interesting race. I. I, uh, I never take anybody for granted. I always work hard. And again, as I've said time and time again, um, it's not about me personally. You know, I mean, I've been blessed. Alaska has given me 45 years. I want to have the 46, I'm on my 46, 47th, 48th year. 
uh, because I believe I'm the best prepared to do the job, especially these next two years. We've done well these past two years. When you think about we gained back control of our fish and wildlife, that was my bill. You know, when the uh, Obama administration decided they control fish and wildlife on all federal lands, no. I made that bill that says, no, it's the state. Under the state of the act, we undid what he did. Uh, that's been very good. I got Swan Lake down in Ketchikan. Uh, the HR um, 477, which is a right for native corporations to get federal monies to combine it all so they can do a better job instead of doing it piecemeal. A lot of different pieces of legislation, even in these two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got two more years. Cause my goal well, is to deregulate deregulate uh, the federal government from the state of Alaska. That's my goal. Well, what, I, what I've told folks, you know, and people can you know, like Trump or not like Trump, and, and I think he says a lot of crazy stuff, but if you look at just Alaska in the last two years with Anwar and with a lot of the stuff you've been talking about, um, I think we've probably favored better than most states. No, well, we've done well, and I think it's the delegation very right up front. We're well aware of it now. Having said that, you know, I go back to President Trump, uh, best economy we've had in years. Employment's, you know, way down. Unemployment's way down. I mean, we've done good things in this nation. And if we ever thought about, okay, where would we be if we had Hillary elected? Uh, we'd be back in that sump again. You talk about the swamp. I call it the sump. Hmm. Nothing was going forward. The well, nation the was going stu- backwards. The Alaska stuff wouldn't. And our- wouldn't even come close to it. We'd forget it, you know. So um, I guess the election's, what, five, day- five days away? What's... what's uh- What's going on? Then? Well, you know, we're still running around. I mean, I've been gone all over the state. Uh, um, and, you know, I've been up to uh, Kotzebue and Nome. I'm going to Bethel. I'm here, and I'll come back here again. Um, this is where the majority of the population resides in this bowl, in Wasilla, Palmer, and Anchorage. Been all over southeast. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a very um, extensive job. It's like campaigning for president uh, when you think about so it. Big. The, the distance factor, the, the different people. Uh, all Alaskans, but different topography, different climate. And you have to be aware of all that, how, primarily to hear what people want done. How, how is it? I mean, you're probably, I'd say you're one of the most known people in the state. Can can you go to the grocery store? Can you go so? I mean, can you go anywhere without somebody stopping you? Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, they don't bother me too much. Most of the time, they just want to talk to me. Uh, I, I have one way I campaign. I think it's still one of the better ways that... Um, I will go to a grocery store with my wife, my aunt, and uh, she'll get a cart to go shopping. I'll get a cart, put something in it, and walk around without staff. Just walk around. I've heard stories about I've seen people post on Facebook that, oh, I just saw, actually, yeah. a few weeks ago, somebody said they saw you getting fruit, and they yeah. talked to you for a few minutes. Yeah, and, and to me, that's, it gives them a chance to, you know, hear. I've only had one bad incident where a person was really nasty, uh, and that didn't last too long. So, uh, you know, most of the time they're very respectful and try to do what's right by getting an, an answer to a question. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my biggest assets, I'll tell them if it's a, uh, it ain't going to work uh, for certain reasons. And, but if it has, it's a good idea, a, a good congressman get most of their knowledge and ideas from individual people. And that's where, you know, the brains come in. I mean, thank God that's a good idea. Right. And then we see if we can solve it. And if we can solve it, the biggest objection we have to people that don't want to solve problems and well, they're talk about it. It's, I think we're, it's such a unique situation in Alaska where, I mean, I've, I've seen you all the events. I've seen Senator Murkowski, Senator Sullivan. I, I feel like, I don't know, but I'm, I'm guessing in California, Texas, Florida, it's not maybe as easy to uh, be access, access these people. We're you know, here. Everybody has access. 
And the fun part about it, I don't know how many people I talk to, not from Alaska, but have visited Alaska or um, come to my office, and I'll say, who's your congressman? A lot of them have never seen them, know them, yeah, or heard them. You know, and that's a... In Alaska, everybody, right, wrong, or indifferent, yeah. they know who their, their congressman is. All right, we're just about to the end. One more question I want to ask you. So um, you, you seem to just not you, – you, you seem such a, like a genuine person. Do you, do you ever think about, oh, if I say something, it's going to – the media is going to – I mean, I know the media is always trying to – do you, do you ever kind of think maybe I shouldn't say that, or do you just say whatever you want to say? I usually say it? what I want to say, and I say there is exceptions, exceptions to that. Because uh, in a sense, if it was if it's offensive to my wife, I won't say it. Uh, but she's pretty understanding, and um, that to me is very very. She's important. over there. She's, yeah, she's smiling. She's there. Yeah, but that's true. <laughs> and I, I uh, and I never do anything in a mean spirit. That's the thing. If I make a slip as far as saying something that's not politically correct, I say it truthfully. And one of our biggest challenges today is everybody takes everything out of context. I and, totally agree with and, you. Re, and reinterpreted and all of that. And he meant that. No, no, no. No. It comes from the heart, and I mean it. And, you know, I, I've said some well, outlandish things. But overall, people know it's not being mean or it's not being dishonest. It's not for political purposes. Uh, the easiest thing in the world, and that's one of the challenges that we have now in Congress, we have a lot of cookie cutters that are the same people. My father used to say, society needs characters, or you do not have a society. You have what you call a bland soup. It's unattractive to anyone. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and, and, and I've always sort of remembered that. And as long as you're honest with yourself, uh, you know, and you can live with what you do, why do everything just to please somebody because it's a popular to thing to totally, do that today? I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in total agreement with that. In yeah. fact, I, that's kind of how I live my life. Well, I wanted to... I wonder, one more thing I'll say about the context. I thought it was really, I know Rich Maurer, you know, I thought that whole enchilada thing was just, that was, I liked how you responded to that. That was, that well, was, I, you know, it, it tried to set you up. You got to really send him some enchiladas, you know, <laughs> you got to send him a big order. <laughs> Tell him, hey, you're Rich, have a meal. Well, well I, I, yeah, and I've never understood that. I mean, I've never, in my whole career, why do people not look at the depth and the human side of Don Young? They don't. They want to destroy it for what reason I've never understood. But I've lived with that. And I, I, I will survive and I will be able to do my job and I'll be happy doing it for as long as I feel as if I can do it physically. And I say that, you know, this truth of the matter is God has brings you in and he will take you out. Mm -hmm. And uh, in doing so, uh, as long as I'm here, I'm going to be speaking and standing up for Alaska. That's my slogan, always has been, and I will stand up for Alaska. If anybody attacks this state, they got me I've, on their tail. I have, I have no doubt there. Well, Congressman, you, you are a character, and I really appreciate you doing this. And I, I'd love to, if in the future, if you have more time, I think we could... We, we talk about. I, I would like to do something with you. We'll go back through some of the history of every one of the presidents. I love to do every president. That's what I was talking to Chad about. Every president, you know, you know, go back to Bush and Nixon, right? You know, Ford, Clinton, you know, Obama, Bush. I mean, there's. I think it could be. I think it could be a series. You know, because it, it'd be fun. Because, uh, like I say, I respect them all. I have my ratings. Uh, who are good and who are bad. With the understanding, they're all human, and they all have weaknesses, but they also have strengths. Uh, and you know, I, I have my interpretations of what was good for the country, and um, I have a right to do that as anybody else does. And uh, you know, we talk about it. 
Well, I'd love to do that, Congressman. Thanks again for doing this. I know you're a very busy guy, and uh, good well, luck on good luck on Tuesday. Well, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. Maybe if I'm successful, we can talk again. If I'm not successful, we can still talk again. I like that. Well, okay, Congressman. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. God bless. Thank you. Take care. Landline.